Welcome back to Unbatting. I'm Jessica Presley. And I'm Dana Pereira. How's everybody doing this week? Dana, how are you doing this week? You know what? We're we're getting through it. It's uh, at the time of recording. I'm sure this won't come out for a couple of weeks, but at the time of recording, it is Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, today is Monday, so actual Memorial Day. So my husband was off. I was able to go out with the kids. We went out and had lunch today. It was a good time. We had a good time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of had a low-key weekend, too. Um, We did a little barbecue action with some friends yesterday, which was pretty fun. Um, And then today, just kind of hung out at home, did a little hair situation for my youngest. Um, Oh, my kids learned to ride bikes over the weekend, which is new for us. That's fun. I know, I know. On Saturday, I was at work, and... um, Dave had the kids out at a park, and some friends of ours from um, school, um, they're like big, um, like mountain bikers. Yeah. And like even their littlest, she's four years old. She has her own Michael mountain bike. She does the trails and everything like that. Oh my God. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so we met them at the park. Dave and the girls met them at the park, and they had one of their bikes there. Now, my kids' bikes, they've had bikes forever, and every time they try to get on them, they fall over. Um, but apparently when you invest in like these mountain bikes that have like gears and stuff, like your kids learn to ride really easy because Shay just picked the thing up and took off. Uh, well, they have to be ready for it, I think. True, true. And so Jocelyn, whenever she learned to ride a bike, she flat out refused for a long time. Mm-hmm. Jonah was like, fuck those pedals. I'm not touching shit. He wasn't having it. Mm-mm. Nope. And then one day he saw his friends riding and he was like, all right, I'm ready to ride a bike. Yeah. And off he went. And I was like, all right, well, I guess, like, I spent so much time being like, oh, my kid's five and doesn't know how to ride a bike. Yeah. But who the fuck cares? Who cares if your kid can ride a bike? (laughs) I don't fucking care if my kid can ride a bike. But you know what? Today they can. And I was so proud. I was like, yes. And Shay felt so proud of herself. Like, when I looked at her little face and she was so excited to show me. And then you know what happened? She fell. No. No, she came home and rode our cheap-ass Walmart bike and couldn't do it and felt terrible about herself. And I had to remind her that it's not about you. It's about the bike. It's it's the bike, Shay. It's not you. You you clearly rode a bike. I have a video of it. Hello. Well, it's like you started her off with filet mignon and then you brought her home to... Gave her top sirloin. You, you <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say hamburger helper, but... Sh- <laughs> Okay, hamburger helper would be a better analogy. (laughs) And she was like, well, fuck, my taste buds must suck because Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of the same thing. It's the same animal. I know. And it tastes like shit now. I know. So, you know, needless to say, Dave and Shay also went bike shopping today. (laughs) No, so they got new bikes? Well, we didn't, but he's trying to – we're trying to gain some knowledge about bike life and what that means for us as a family. That sounds like a lot of work that I want nothing to do with. <laughs> Literally, Shay is the anti-outside child, mm-hmm. right? So anything that sparks, like, even the smallest glow of, like, excitement to be outside, uh-huh. I'm like, you name it, I'm there. Oh, So we're going, nice. we're doing, like, this camping thing this weekend. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, that was a visceral reaction that came straight from the gut. All right, let me like, let me bring it around, okay? Um, we're camping in an RV. Mm-hmm. Also, ugh, you still I, are not there with me. You know what? I'm I'm getting warmer to the idea. <laughs> nope, still an ick. All right, so anyway, when we go there, I wanted to bring their bikes, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was like this push for the bike situation, but... We'll see. We'll see how it goes, if they get on their bikes or not. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Today, whenever I was out at lunch with my family, I actually told my husband today, like, he did something that made my brain hurt so bad that I was like, I'm using you as content (laughs) on the show tonight. So he's telling me about our neighbors down the street, 
because he had taken the kids down to the park and he was on his way back um, and he was, you know, talking to the neighbors and he was like, yeah, and they have like a live-in nanny. And I was like, really? Sounds amazing. Yeah, They have like two twin girls. I think they're about five years old. Adorable. And I was like, man, live-in nanny, like good for you. That is awesome. He was like, yeah, you know, I saw them like walking down the street and there was this older woman with them. She was probably like late 50s-ish. And I was like, oh, that must be the nanny. And I was like, okay, so honey, did they – Are you thinking what I'm thinking? (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Were you thinking in that moment when I'm thinking in this moment? What are you thinking in this moment? I'm thinking – that's probably not the nanny. So in my head, I was like, I know that my husband tends to gather I- images and then spit out a fact that has nothing to do with those images. And so I said to him, I said, honey, did he actually tell you that they had a live-in nanny? Or did you just assume because you saw a woman with them that they had a live-in nanny? And he was like, well, no, he didn't tell me. <laughs> Oh, honey. <laughs> so was this like the grandma or the- I said there are so many other people in their lives that that could have been. It could have been grandma. It could have been an old friend. It could have been a cousin, an aunt. Who knows? Endless possibilities. Endless possibilities. But you told me as a fact that it was their live-in nanny. <laughs> and I got jealous. When you were telling me that story, I felt jealousy because of that fact. And now it maybe isn't even true. It, how did you just see two people with children and an older woman and just jump to that's their live-in nanny? Like, this is what is wrong with the world. Fast assumptions. <laughs> You are the problem. It's me. Hello. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Mm -hmm. That is what is wrong. Yeah. How does Joe feel about being your content? He loves it. Oh, good. He's like. So he gives you lots. Oh, endless. Mm, Endless. So good. Yes. Yes. (laughs) See, that's the great thing about parenting. And we decided that we were going to do a little talking about parenting, kids kidding and parents parenting and the thing is before you have kids Mm. you have all of these ideas in your head like I'm gonna have a live-in nanny (laughs) so many ideas my kids would never do that screen time is bullshit my kids will never have a screen in front of their face never they're gonna love broccoli because i'm going to feed them broccoli the second that they're born and then they're gonna love it because i know how to parent even though i've never parented a damn thing literally was me yeah especially because i had an older sister who had parents and i got to judge all her parenting things and be like i would never do that she's doing it all wrong what does she even know about parenting i know everything about parenting (laughs) the one with no kids and then i had to and realized i don't know a damn thing my son legit gagged on green beans at four (laughs) months old which one? Kai. Four <laughs> months old, I gave him green beans and he went. <laughs> and I was like, if the kid tells me he doesn't like green beans in five years, I'm going to believe him because I just watched him gag on green beans. <laughs> the thing is, you don't get to choose what your kids are like. You, They are a different personality and all of the hopes and dreams that you have for them, you might as well just ball them up and stick them up your ass. <laughs> Just get rid of them right away because what's going to happen is that you're going to come to this realization that your children are uniquely individually themselves mm-hmm. and everything that you thought they would be, could be, maybe isn't going to happen mm-hmm. and you have to genuinely learn who they are and support them. Yes, they are born a certain damn way and Mm -hmm. it is not up to you what they do now the other thing that I had to learn is that I who I thought I would be as a parent before I had kids who I thought my husband would be as a parent I was convinced that he was going to be the worst Mm. like 
he was going to be a robot. He was going to have no emotions. I actually told him like whenever I was having our first child, I was like, I know you're not even going to cry whenever we're in there. Like it's your like, first. AI dad. <laughs> yeah. You're just like beep, bop, boop, boop. I am a father. <laughs> I was convinced. <laughs> and the man completely like I'm the asshole Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. had these expectations because of how he was in our relationship Joe isn't a feeler of emotions he doesn't show emotions I get him a birthday present or a Christmas present and he opens it and I'm ready for him to jump for joy with fucking excitement and he goes cool thanks (laughs) I hate that (laughs) it's another episode Dana relax (laughs) You know, what's funny is that as you're saying this, I'm realizing, and we've mentioned before that our husbands are pretty opposite, but I'm realizing that my husband is a feeler and a Mm -hmm. lover and like totally a kid guy and all of those things. But his experience parenting, also very different. Yeah. Also very different. Parenting brings out something inside of you that you just don't even know until you have children. Because all those things inside get worked up. All of that childhood trauma comes up. Everything that you said you wouldn't do, you do. And it comes up. You don't know who you are. And let me rephrase that. There's another level of yourself that you get to learn if you choose to be a parent. People don't realize, and and this is for all you people out there that haven't had children yet, um, you don't know who you're going to be whenever you change. And I know that people can tell you that until you're they're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. They can say it over and over again. People told me that same thing over and over and over again. You don't know until you experience it. Oh, sure, you know who you are when you're Uncle Johnny. When it is your own child that you have to parent, that you have to raise, all of your traumas, insecurities, triggers, triggers come out in your parenting. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult mm-hmm. to keep those at bay because you see little you in your little child and all of a sudden you're like okay I don't want you to be like me so I need to try and control everything because if you're like me I'm fucked I didn't do a good job (laughs) right please don't repeat everything that I did yes yeah I feel like in a way even like this idea of unbatting right it has like come from my experience as a mother yeah being a mother has been one of the most life-changing experiences like I've gotten married I've traveled I've had different jobs but being a mother has completely changed my life and has made me look at myself in such an objective way that I really want to parent or be myself not even just parent just be myself Mm -hmm. with intention and it's made me realize just how much of um, who I was was just by default based on the environment that I grew up in, mm-hmm. based on the culture I was raised in. And that none of it was like that I really sat back and thought about like, what do I want to be? Who do I think I am? Who do I choose to be? And I feel like when I'm not default parenting, I'm choosing to be the parent that I want to be mm-hmm. and also choosing to be maybe even the parent that I needed when I was a little kid. I think that's it right there is that a lot of times whenever I'm making decisions with my children, I am thinking, what did I need at that point? Mm -hmm. What did I need whenever I was that age? A lot of people don't like the way that I parent. I'm very open, especially with my older ones. I talk about sex. I talk about drugs. I talk about alcohol. I don't just talk about it whenever they dabble in those things I'm a very understanding parent Mm -hmm. I want to hear them out I want them to know that you smoked weed you're still a good person do I love it no I don't your frontal lobe hasn't developed yet you like give it like another 10 years okay yeah smoke all the weed you want but you're a 
kid and you are going to make mistakes and the last thing I want to do is make you feel like you're a terrible human being for it. Right. Right. And whenever you were bringing that up about like the parent that talks about sex, the parent that talks about drugs and all of those things, it's like you don't just talk about them with your kids in a sense that you're talking at them and like don't have sex and don't do drugs. And if you do, then you need to do X, Y, Z. Like you have a very fluid, open relationship with your kids in those ways. And that's something that I really look up to you about and something that I know that I can learn from you for my kids moving forward. Because so many times I'm trying to like guide them and teach them and want to teach them right from wrong. But sometimes I just need to be a listener and I just need to relate to them of my own experiences and remember what it's like to be a 16-year-old. Remember what it's like to be a 17-year-old and not just be the parent. And I think you do a really great job at that. Thank you. I, I've i done a lot of drugs in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Put it out there. I have. I've done cocaine. I've done ecstasy. I've done acid. I've done shrimp. Like you, the only thing I haven't done is like heroin and I think crystal meth. I mean, it's up in the Who air. Knows? It's Who knows? it's possible, but um, like I I haven't done like super super hard stuff. Um, although I mean, some may argue that some of the shit that I've done is hard <laughs> perspective. <laughs> I tell my kids that too. I'm like, listen, cocaine is great. <laughs> that is a good time. It is great, but it also sucks, and it can ruin your damn life if you have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. So many things that I have dabbled in, and I like to share those things because I want my kids to know that I'm not just saying it at you because I want you to think that you need to be a perfect person. I'm telling you that from experience, unless you want to be up at 4.30 a.m. taking a toothbrush to your vents – you might want to stick away from cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't want to try that one. Yeah. It's, it's you know, uh, there's a lot of things out there. I know whenever it comes to sex and teenagers, there's a lot of shame involved with that. What was your experience growing up with sex? I um, I was terrified of it. Honestly, so, so scared. The first time I ever kissed somebody, I was 12 in a closet. (laughs) And he drooled all over my shirt. I remember that. Weren't we at like Leah's house? We were at Leah's house. We were in her basement. Cody, you drooled all over my shirt. (laughs) Damn you, Cody. He was the cutest kid in sixth grade. With he was a very wet kisser. Does any twelve year old know how to kiss? Really, I don't think so. No, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. We did seven minutes in heaven. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember this down in the basement. It, for me, it was seven minutes in an aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> seven minutes in hell. Yeah. <sighs> so, um, I kissed him. I was twelve. I did not kiss another person until I was seventeen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you were terrified of it. So, so scared. Yeah, so scared. And then, so I had, I lost my virginity whenever I was a couple of months away from turning 18. So you were living with dad. What was dad's like sex talk? What did he tell you? I, he didn't. <laughs> he he was just like, don't get knocked up and don't get caught by the police. You know, like. That was, did you get arrested for that? Like, I remember. <gasps> Having a pack of cigarettes that I must have dropped because I started smoking when I was 12 also. 12, I was like, yeah, I used to. What happened at 12? At the doctor's office when they say, were you a smoker? I have to say yes because I smoked from the time I was 12 till I was 21. (laughs) That's 10 years. That's a solid amount of time of nicotine. (laughs) Oh, God. That's a whole other thing too. Um, But dad was the kind of guy that he didn't really talk about stuff he found my cigarettes I had dropped them somewhere he picked them up he threw them up the steps and he said Dana you dropped your cigarettes Mm -hmm. that was definitely a dad thing to do yeah Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a like he didn't make me feel bad about anything which I think is why I wanted to be around him all the time Mm -hmm. because I knew that even if I was fucking up even if I was doing something stupid 
He was barely judging me. I, he was just like so even keeled, cool, mm-hmm. calm and collected all the time. Like I've never really seen him explode. Mm-mm. Ever. No, I don't think I ever really did either. Do you remember the time um, I think mom was out of town and I was supposed to be staying at dad's. Oh, with he you. was mad at me. And then. we went up to Penn State, mm. I think. And we took my car and we drove up there and he was like, you know, where were you guys? What you're doing? We're like, nothing. We're just hanging out. And I remember me going back home to mom's house and he was like, you might want to, you might want to wash all the dead bugs off the front of your car. And I was like, thanks dad. Yeah. Oh no. He actually got really Did mad at me mad for that dad? because I was 18 and you were 17. Mm-hmm. And because you were 17, I could have gotten him and me oh. in a lot of trouble. And he was pissed about that. Um, but I didn't care because we had I was 18 and we had fun at Penn State. So cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the sex. Um, like your experience and my experience was so different because yeah. I had like a pretty steady boyfriend in high school. I would and I was like, definitely doing the sex. Years you were with him. Yes, I was. And I remember mom saying to me, like, <clears throat> I have to kind of, I'm going to mess it up, but it was something along the lines of like, well, if you're having sex, you better be on birth control. And that was like the end of it. And I was like, already am. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, she had done enough to let me know that like, if you need birth control, you go to Planned Parenthood and you get some birth control. And I was able to do that at 16 years old or 15 years old, however old I was. And, um, and yeah, it was kind of like, there wasn't really a whole lot of talk about it very unsimilar to the relationship that you have with your older boys. Um, But it was kind of like, well, if you're doing it, this is what you do. But I think that in that generation, that was kind of like progressive. A hundred percent. And the thing that is different is I don't want my kids to be afraid to tell me things. Right. Even if they think it might get them in trouble. Um, And so especially with sex, there's so much shame Mm -hmm. around sex and teenagers that are naturally exploring their bodies mm-hmm. masturbating like just getting to know themselves and then learning what the opposite sex if that is what they are attracted to or the same sex if they, you know like trying to figure out who you are sexually as a person is a lot it's a lot and imagine like you know 30 years ago, 25 years ago, when we were at this point in our lives, when we were trying to figure out who we are sexually, like your children, your older ones and our younger ones have such a different experience Mm -hmm. of trying to figure out who they are sexually. And I think that one that has to do with time and two, it has to do with location. Yeah. Um, Because I think that if you're in the very small town that maybe isn't very uh, liberal or open-minded that if you have a gay child or a child that is struggling with um, let me rephrase that not struggling but maybe a child who is um, trying to identify who they are from a gender norm Mm -hmm. um, it's a very different experience we had a friend in high school who by all accounts was gay who's and then all of a sudden like who is this friend oh i'll tell you and i'll okay. i'll take out his name okay oh okay he's straight he was he's now straight yeah he also converts young gay children <gasps> into straight children oh wow wow so he's like gone straight to the like over the top evangelical christian um pray the gay away and they will be good yes oh my heart and that's exactly how I feel is oh my heart this Mm -hmm. man never got to fully express who he is as an individual and uh that is not something that I ever 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 want my kids Mm -mm. to be afraid of Now, I cannot control everything. Society tells you a lot of things. So much. Social media is out there. Um, And and sometimes on social media, 
sometimes it makes it really, really easy for people to feel at home with other people and to express themselves. And again, sometimes it makes it really, really hard because you have a lot of bashing Mm -hmm. and awful things on social media. And I just want my kids to, no matter what it is, if it is drinking, tell me about it. We'll figure it out. I'm also going to keep my eyes and ears open because I don't want you to drink to numb. So I'm going to have to figure out, like, are we doing this to numb? Is there an underlying issue here? So my parenting brain is constantly going Mm -hmm. to protect my children. Mm -hmm. It's also because it makes me feel good to nurture other people. I feel safest when I know that all of the people around me feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that in turn has me on high alert 100% of the time. Yeah, I can relate to that idea of being on high alert or, um, you know, kind of scanning the room unconsciously. Yes. You know, it's not like something that I'm like, oh, check that off the list. Um, But I do realize that there are times where I'm like, so much more aware of what's going on or where children are or what what people are doing what in situations where like everyone's just kind of like in the moment and having a good time mm-hmm. and I'm like super vigilant yeah what's going on scan the room can anybody get hurt with you know yeah like, yeah yeah and coming from a point where I'm on two different parenting journeys right now. I have the teenagers that are about to fly the coop mm-hmm. and then we have the little ones also. Um, and it is not the same across the board. Was your experience with your older ones different when you're than when they were little than the little ones you have now? Yes, because I was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I, if I'm being honest, was not the best version of myself as a parent. I've had this conversation with my teenagers also. I, I'm ashamed of the ways that I reacted. Whenever they were little, mm-hmm. I spanked them mm-hmm. when they did something. I am not for spanking. As Isn't spanking something, though, that's just like the thing that you do when you don't know what to do? Like, yes. You're like, I don't know what to do right now, and everything seems out of control, and so I guess I'm just going to spank you. The only way that I can control you is to make you, like, wither away from like, me and assert my dominance. Right, right. I am not proud of that. I remember when Mason, what, God fucking damn it, I might cry actually. Um, Mason was little and I don't even remember, he got into a fight I think with one of the kids and I got him in the car and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to beat your ass when we get home. Mm. And I told him the entire way home. Like I wanted him to be so afraid of me. Mm-hmm. And he had to have been fucking petrified because I was like, I am going to spank your ass. Like, you embarrassed me Mm. by getting into this fight. Again, I am so ashamed of some of the parenting choices that I made with the teenagers whenever they were young. Luckily, I grew out of it. Mm -hmm. Luckily, my eyes were open to it and I now recognize how damaging that is to a child. Mm -hmm. And I will not make that mistake again. I talk to Mason and Kai about it. I tell them all the time, like, listen, guys, I made some poor ass choices with you. I was a young kid whenever I had young kids. Yeah. And I didn't do great all the time. They're doing pretty good, though. They are. They are. (laughs) They are doing pretty good. And I think that your transparency with them and your vulnerability with them and your ability to um, be self-aware and look back and say, I missed the mark on that. I think really it's helps them heal from those things or any things that maybe were stuck for them yeah. can kind of come undone and work, work themselves out because you gave them space to do that. I think taking ownership of your mistakes there's there's the quote out there that says um oh what is it like you do the best that you can and then whenever you know better you do better that's Maya Angelou know better do better and I love that because I'm like that's all that we can do as parents as humans as women Mm -hmm. as 
you know, like beings walking this earth is we are here to learn. And we unfortunately, um, the way that we all learn is different. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that we're learning is from childhood. And I hope that if I can do just 10% better than what I grew up with. Right. And my kids can do 10% better than what they grew up with. Right. Definitely. Yeah. You know, that makes me think back to like, I, of course, like I can only think of like the generations back that I, I know of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think of like grandma or like, you know, I think of like her experience. And then I think of like our mother's experience and like she didn't have it easy. Mm-mm. It was really hard for her and her siblings, incredibly yes. hard for them. And I have so much um, compassion yeah. for their experience. Um, but then also if I look at our experience objectively, like we didn't have it easy either. No. But we had it better than she had. Yes. And she had it better than her parents had. And so I feel like sometimes there's just like this unraveling of trauma that has to happen and we're all trying to do better I don't think that any parent goes into it with the intent of damaging or hurting or abusing their children yeah but I think that like we said earlier you don't know who you are until you have children or you don't know your triggers until you have children having children is one of the most incredible experiences in that you literally get to relive your entire childhood. Everything that comes up is something from your childhood. If you're triggered, it's from your childhood. Every single time. Every single time. And so this experience that you had with Mason and Kai, giving them the space to heal from your delinquent parenting style. You know, you were a kid. Yeah. You were a kid. Juvenile you were so delinquent young. parenting oh, juvenile. <laughs> um. And also they have the opportunity to see like how you do it differently, you know, because they're witness to the way that Jocelyn and Jonah are being raised and they're able to see like an experience as like adolescents and older children, what it's like to have a parent that is like tuned in and dialed in to who they are as people and not just being reactive, like really being able to respond and not just reacting out of, you know, whatever trigger is being hit at the time. Yeah. And so, like I said, with Jocelyn and Jonah, it's a very different experience. And I get very triggered by the spanking thing in particular. Um, I just had an argument with a person, a, a discussion. I had a, we'll call it a heated, a passionate discussion. A passionate discussion <laughs> um, with a friend of mine because it, he is very demand respect. Um, you know, um, I'll, I'll give you something to cry about kind of a thing. And in what I have learned over time is that I had it really hard with Mason and Kai. Mm-hmm. Being a mom with them was fucking hard but it was not their fault that it was hard they weren't asshole kids I was an asshole parent right and you were still growing up and learning and figuring out how to um like what's the word I'm looking for go go gadget words (laughs) um you weren't a dysregulated parent you were able to just you were able to regulate yourself as a woman um And then make a choice, not just react on the first thing that was happening. I love um, really leaning into my mistakes these Mm -hmm. days. I love it. I love showing my kids that mommy screws up all the time. Mm -hmm. Because I want them to know it's okay to screw up and that it doesn't stop. I will be screwing up for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. mistakes will be made. Some of them are going to be big. Some of them are going to suck. Some of them I'm going to be ashamed of. Some of them I'm going to be really sorry for. Um, some of them I'm going to take a lot of time to realize that I'm ashamed and sorry for. <laughs> right, right. I think that there's a paradigm shift there because it's like now 
as parents, I feel like it's okay to admit that we don't know it all. But for so long, parents just had to always have the answers, right? I just know better. I know everything. I have the answers to everything. If I don't know, I'm probably going to make it up. And you'll accept that as truth. But you know what? Our kids are smarter than that. And they have the internets. Yes. So like we can't do that anymore. (laughs) Well, because back in the day, we would say like, well, uh, Samantha's parents let her do it. And they would say, well, am I Samantha's parent? Right. <laughs> right. And that, I mean, that was answer enough for you. <laughs> no. That no, that makes total sense, Mom. You're absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But these days, it is a little, a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm just really into So, like, for you, when you have a tough day, with the girls, uh, are, are you a parent that says like, yo, my bad. I was, I was overwhelmed. I had big feelings. I took them out in the wrong way. A hundred percent. I 100% am. Um, those moments are getting less and less, but when they were little, when we were all at home, when we were like, didn't have a choice, but to be at home, like, my mommy mistakes happened a lot. They were very frequently. They were daily. They were multiple times a day. And so I got to this point where I was like having to repair all the time. And <clears throat> my kids have been in therapy from a young age. I am a total proponent of therapy. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids are adoptees. I want them to know how to process their feelings. I want them to be um, taught how to understand where they feel feelings in their body. Um, so, you know... In doing therapy, like I've learned that with my kids, it's the repair that matters. It's not the mess up because the mess up's going to happen. It's the repair. Mm -hmm. And so um, I try to give myself a lot of grace. Um, I'm not always good at it. A lot of times I really beat myself up over my parenting mistakes. Um, But I am definitely the parent that's like, missed the mark on that one. I did not do that right let's I and I even do like redos I'm like you know what I don't really like how I sounded when I was talking to you there like I was kind of reacting I was overwhelmed the music was loud like can I have a redo yeah and I might like pause it all right there and then like back up Mm -hmm. and and totally redo it and almost in like a scripted way for them because oftentimes when my kids are even talking to each other and they're sounding like kind of mean or kind of nasty you hear yourself I do hear myself, but I also give them um, an opportunity to say it different. And I'm like, you know, maybe you could say to her instead, um, I don't really want you to touch my thing right now. When I'm done with it, you can have a turn later. Yeah. Or this is new to me and it still feels really special, so I'm not ready to share it yet. Instead of like, don't touch my stuff. I hate you. Yeah. You know, like just giving them opportunities to say it in another way that is more respectful. Um, And I do believe that this is a big one. I think that respect is a big one in parenting. I think as parents, we think that we deserve respect, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this might be an unpopular opinion. I'm um, with you. I'm on board. I know. I you're, already, you're on I my already, train mm, and we're going together. Fast. I yep. do believe that in order to get respect from your children, you have to model respect. And model respect comes from respecting your children. And if I'm using shameful tones and talking to them nasty, how do I expect them to turn around and talk to me and be like, yes, mom, no problem. I'll pick up my clothes from the floor and put them in the hamper. After you just made them feel like total garbage. Right. And made them feel this big Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, for getting their pajamas on the floor. Whatever. Yes. I I am with you with that. I 100% believe that you don't just get respect. You earn respect. And you do it by giving respect. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street. I earn my children's respect by respecting them. Um, they don't owe me anything. The parenting mantra that I fucking hate the most is whenever they're like, I brought you into this world. I could take you out of it. Yeah, but you know what? This is something that I think of too. These kids didn't ask to be brought into this world. Exactly. This was your choice. You chose to have kids. We act like they're this major inconvenience to us, but really like – 
we chose, I filled out paperwork for this and signed my name on the line and gave documents and had people write letters about me. Like I applied for this. So how can I turn around and make my kids feel like there's some major inconvenience in my life? That is something that, I mean, again, we're just like right here. Mm. We, we got each Simpatico. other. Yeah. They, my children did not ask to be brought into this world. I made the decision to bring them into this world. They owe me nothing. Mm-hmm. I owe them I owe them respect. I owe them love. I owe them nurturing. I owe them taking care of them. I owe them everything because I made the decision mm-hmm. to bring them into this world. Too many parents out there are saying, I brought you into this world. You owe me. Mm-hmm. I do all of the, I take you to practice. You owe me. I made your dinner for 18 years. You owe me. Mm-mm. And that, I I just disagree so hard with that mindset because they do not owe you anything. You brought them into this world. You made a contract with yourself when you decided to bring that child into your home, into your world, that you are their nurturer. You are their caregiver. You mm-hmm. are their parent like you are the one that made that decision absolutely and I oh I hate it when they're like my kids oh me I did now don't get me wrong I will joke around and be like ugh, I took you to every practice for the last you know like it's hard not to think that though it's hard because you give so much of yourself you give so much of yourself and I think that as parents we just sacrifice Mm. there's Mm -hmm. so much sacrifice in parenting and I feel like what I've noticed about myself outside of the parenting world is that the times where I feel most triggered are often whenever I am allowing somebody else to cross my boundary Mm. right and I feel like when there's sacrifice with kids you allow them to cross so many boundaries because you want to do for them But then whenever it doesn't turn out the way that you expected or they don't show you appreciation in the way that you feel you deserved, it's really easy to turn around and be like, I do this, 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 and this for you. And so it's like, for instance, Dave will say to me sometimes, anytime we ask Shay, this is such a small example, but anytime we ask our oldest daughter, what do you want for dinner? She's like, I want sushi. And Dave's like, damn it. It's going to cost $200 to have dinner because this kid wants sushi. And I'm like, when she was eight months old and we went out to dinner as two single people and you were like feeding her salmon, like now she loves it. Now she loves it. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things that were like, you bougie ass kids, like we did that to them. We did it. We showed them the way. We absolutely did Mm -hmm. and you're right it's so easy to look at them and be like what the whenever mother's day was happening a couple weeks back um my daughter was making me like love letters and drawing me pictures and so sweet so so sweet and my little angel baby face son said mommy i'm not gonna do nothing for you okay and I was like, okay, well, that feels great. So thanks. <laughs> He's like, because I'm the cutest and I don't have to do anything because you're still going to love me. But that's his whole thing is a lot of times he'll like, I oh, I remember specifically, you know, whenever you look at your kids and you just love them so much, like it's, it's, it's like physical, visceral up inside you and you're looking at them and you could just cry Mm -hmm. staring at them thinking about how much you love them Jonah was I made him a corn dog one day and he was just eating lunch and I'm just watching him like you know beaver away at this corn dog (laughs) and it was so cute and I was just like feeling all the feelings I was just staring at him and he's like why are you looking at me and I said baby 
mommy loves you so much. And he went, mommy, I love this corn dog. (laughs) You're like, thank you. Because I made it from scratch, you know. (laughs) I went to Costco on my own time. (laughs) When I could have been at home napping to get you that corn dog. I love a nap. I love a nap. I sacrificed that nap. Yes, the sacrifice. It runs deep. And so we feel like they owe us. Yeah. They feel like they owe us constantly. And it's hard not to get committed to that feeling. Mm. And sometimes I have to like check myself and be like, she didn't know me this. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, again, you do, 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 do. You give, 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 give. And uh, sometimes it sucks when it's your birthday and your kids are like, I feel like going to dinner with you. And you're like, well, shit, that that hurts. That's rough. <laughs> you know? But like. Is dinner with children ever fun? No. No. Let's let that go. Yes. Let's let that go. I think it's okay to celebrate alone. Well, I mean, we talked about it. Mother's Day next year is going to look very different for me than it did this year. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think all celebrations moving forward Mm -hmm. where I deserve to treat myself treat yourself it's gonna look very different I think going forward yeah and that's okay Mm. that is definitely okay I saw this um this girl on TikTok and she was like unraveling sobbing so upset and it was about Mother's Day and she was like why are me and my mother and my sister planning Mother's Day for the mothers? Uh, Right? And I just, my heart went out to her because that's definitely something that's a struggle, right? Yeah. And I think that we can eliminate all of that by leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, you want to spend Mother's Day with your mom and your sister? Go do that. Yeah. And like, don't coordinate anything other than your reservation your massage and your champagne afterwards I would love for just my family to leave me oh yeah that's like like, just go somewhere for a little bit of time um let me recharge my batteries in my own space Mm -hmm. because I like my space Mm -hmm. I really really like my space space. so that's what I want to do there's that well it's here's to looking forward (laughs) here's to looking forward Cheers. There's mug in this glass. <laughs> yes, there's lots of mug in there. Oh, that's there's great. wine in this glass. <laughs> there's wine in this mug. There's fuck me, man. She'll get there. It's okay. I will eventually. Mondays are my worst days because my brain is mush. Mm-hmm. Done too much parenting on Mondays. Yeah, because you know you had the whole day Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> That's a lot. It is. Uh, So how do you feel um, your children are about to be home for the summer? Terrified is the answer to your question. That is like the – it's very scary because you have to be around them all the time. And that's another thing I would like to bring up about motherhood, parenthood, fatherhood, whatever hood you're in. Um. You do not need to want to be around your kids all the time. Yeah, all the time is excessive Mm. and it's hard. And I think that like let's also touch base on like some children are more lax and go with the flow. Some children are more high maintenance and a pain in the ass. Yeah. And um, after coming off of five days of being homesick with both of my children, Mm. I I realized that the summer camps I was turning my nose up to and poo-pooing and being like, oh, everyone has to be in summer camp. What's the deal with summer camp? I never went to summer camp. I turned out fine. I was like, let me get all the summer camps. Yeah, how many summer camps can I? Is how there one summer every camp? week? There's one every week. Oh, are they going to summer camp every oh, yeah. So many camps. That is beautiful. Lots of camps. All the camps. Wow. They're going to learn so much. They're going to be the smartest kids ever. <laughs> You know, it actually brings me to a point. There are parent, not parents, I'm sorry. There are people out there that actively decide 
that children are not for them. Mm-hmm. And to those people, I say kudos. 100%. Good for you for recognizing that it's not your bag. It's not something that you want to be a part of. And, and people do it for a lot of different reasons, whether it's they had a terrible childhood, they don't want to pass on their gene pool, or, right. you know, whatever it might be. I, I have a lot of friends that have decided in their lives that parenting – it's not for them. I just feel like as women, um, and not to leave men out of this, of course, men can make this decision too, but I think culturally women have a lot more pressure um, to become mothers. Yes. Um, and so I just feel like women have become so much more self-aware, so much more independent, have really just taken a hold of their life and live their life for them as who they are as an individual, not necessarily for whatever cultural norm that they feel the pressure to live. And I think that is so respectable. I love women who are brave enough to stand up for exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And whether that's having children, not having children, being a stay-at-home mom, being a working mom, being in a heterosexual relationship, being in a homosexual relationship, whatever it is, I feel like if you are choosing for who you are and what you want, I give mad respect to that. Because so many of us have just fallen into what was expected of us. And I feel like a lot of children who have had really hard childhoods um, are products of women who did what was expected of them and maybe wasn't truly what they wanted. A hundred percent. I think for me, the key is, uh, am I leading with love in this decision? Am I leading with love or am I leading with fear? Mm. Um, And so a lot of times in parenting, in any decision that I'm making for myself, I really have to sit with that for a while and try and see, like, am I doing this because I'm fearful or am I doing this for love of myself? Mm-hmm. It's a hard one sometimes to navigate because um, I think that fear can convince you of anything. It can. It really can. I actually received a text message from my husband today that was like, I'm just really fearful of our youngest when she's a teenager. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, um, I said exactly that to him and um, I said to him, you know what, like we just have to understand that we can parent her from a place of love and connection and understanding and compassion and not fear of what could go wrong because when you focus on what could go wrong, that's what happens. When you focus on what can go right, that's what happens. I really, really, ugh, I'm the worst. So after becoming a parent, and maybe this wasn't even after becoming a parent, maybe this was just getting older, you start to realize mortality a little bit more, um, a lot bit more in my case. After having children, imagine the worst case scenario when your child was not tucked onto your boob or under your arm or whatever in your vicinity. I would imagine it. I remember you doing that. House fires, car accidents, drowning in the pool. Like me leaving my children with other people, I would spiral the whole week beforehand if Mm -hmm. mom was coming to watch them or if Chris was watching them or whatever. And then I would like have to do all the things to prevent the bad things from happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't going to be in control of those situations if I was not present. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. I think the over-controller is a tough one with parenting um, because you, you can't control everything. No. You really can't. And I think that the over-controller of parenting while you're married is like just a shot to the heart of your marriage. I, I would like for you to elaborate more on that. I mean, I am the over-controller, so I know. Yeah. And right now, my husband and I are in the process of, like, literally unbatting that. 
Yeah. Because I want to tell him all the reasons that he messed up or all the ways that he messed up and he didn't do it my way. Mm. And he would say to me all the time, just because it's not your way doesn't mean it's not right. And I would like, I didn't even understand that. I was like, everything doesn't have to be my way. What are you talking about? But it did. Because it's the only way I felt safe. You also go to that point where you look at like like my husband giving me his content with the live-in nanny I was like staring at him like what why does your brain hurt my brain why how the fuck did you make that leap and why so automatically I was putting myself above him mm-hmm. and kind of like diminishing him when in reality he just thinks different than I do right and that's a big deal that's a big deal realizing and acknowledging and respecting that people just think of things different than you do. For my husband and I, I feel like, um, one, it was like us building trust that um, his way will work. I have a tendency to be either super gentle with my kids Mm -hmm. or totally unraveled. Like the middle of the road um, hasn't been there for a long time. And that's something that I've worked really hard to find that neutral zone. Um, and so I think that my husband was kind of there too. In his experience, um, he's had, and then therefore repeated either, um, very gentle or totally coming unraveled. Yeah. And so I feel like when he was unraveled, it would trigger me because mm. I hated the parts of me that were unraveled. And yeah. so I would then attack him. Mm-hmm. And so I would be like, if I wasn't in control of how he was acting, then um, somehow something terrible would happen. And it it was kryptonite to our marriage. It took us to some really dark places, to some really hard places. And I feel like it wasn't until he and I came to a, poise, a point or a place where he and I both respected each other's pasts Mm -hmm. and respected the work that we were both putting in that we could respect where each other are and then also um, kind of relinquish some control and trust that the other one was able to navigate whatever it was that was going on with our kids. And also trusting that the other one has the best intentions at heart, that they're not out to like hurt anybody or get anybody it's it's hard when it comes to other people's pasts right and I think that if we look at them as children almost like trying to heal their inner child also ourselves and our inner child and what we need um it makes you a lot more compassionate towards that person a little more understanding for the things that they had to go. Because honestly, if I look at my grown ass man husband and he does something dumb, I'm like, you're a grown ass man. Your frontal lobe is fully developed. That was fucking stupid. Right, right. And I don't have compassion for it. Mm-hmm. But if I look at it from the point of view of him as a child and this is what he grew up with this is what he knows this is what he learned and this is what he's trying to unbad mm-hmm. you have a little more love respect compassion empathy definitely for that person definitely I feel like one of the ways I, I've really tried a lot of things to like will myself to be this more glued together calm responsive parent that I wanted to be not the default parent that I became and one of the things that has worked for me and I've tried many things but one of the things was in those moments where I'm feeling super escalated was to think to myself what would I want when I was a child in this situation how would I want my mother to respond to me or how can I respond to like little Jess in this situation and that has been so powerful you want to know what I do what yeah I do I do I want to know what you do I pretend like I'm a reality show and that there's cameras on like a Kardashian yes there's (gasps) cameras on me at all time and how would I want to present myself to the world because I give a shit what they think (laughs) (laughs) and so that 
honestly is what brought me out of some of my darkest times when Mm -hmm. I would feel myself spiraling or losing control or getting agitated or being a version of myself that I didn't want to be. I would pretend that there were cameras all around the house and that they were watching me and airing me to the entire world. Mm -hmm. And how would I want to be presented in that moment? That's powerful. It really was. When you think about it on like that magnitude, like what would you want people to see about you? That's powerful. It Yes. Yeah. It worked. It, it still works. I still do it. Although now <laughs> I have actual cameras in my house because we're going on vacation and I don't want the teenagers to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have a party. They're going to have a party. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's just going to happen. Man, this was um, a great episode. I really enjoyed this conversation I know I have so many more things that I want to touch on I think that we could probably branch this episode out into several different topics at this point um guys if you are watching us on YouTube give us a comment that actually really really helps us and we have a couple of people out there that have been doing that for us and I just want to say thank you thank you yes And also on uh, Apple, if you are listening on Apple, I know we could, you know, beat this like a dead horse. Please, please, please give a rate and a review. It does actually help us out um, and gets us in front of more people, which is the goal because we want to be able to reach people, open the conversation to more people um, and hear other people's stories. Yeah, we've all have a lot to unbad. Um, and so don't be selfish with it. <laughs> yeah, share dicks. it. Share the unbadding, okay? Yeah. So everybody can unbad together. <laughs> we are doing it. And until next time, we're unbadding, baby. Unbadding. Unbadding. We're unbadding, baby. Unbadding. We're on a journey, baby. We're on batting, baby. Batting. We're on batting.